0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen.
0: To the Church of Roy a sports strength original podcast morning today's show may include adult language and we' here are your hosts Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewald. welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast I'm your host as always Steve Diewald. Uh, you know we're kind of recovering from a very busy week uh, as far as the trade deadline went I'm joined as always uh, by my co-host Brian Wilcox Brian how are you doing
2: Doing pretty well, my friend. Happy to talk some winning Trailblazers basketball when, you know, we should be in full tank mode, but here we are on a three-game win streak.
0: Yeah, I've come to the conclusion that the Blazers are going to do the exact opposite of what I want them to do. Um, Mm -hmm. That said, I I do want to talk about the wins, and I do want to see specifically the last two wins because Josh Hart, who was the centerpiece of the C.J. McCollum trade – has done everything since he's shown up here. He's looked like a perfect running mate for Anthony Simons, which should translate also to when Damian Lillard's back to, you know, and, and Dame have a very similar playing style. I'm um, not the same, but but they do a lot of the same things, especially on the offensive end. Um, Josh Hart has been uh, energetic on the defensive end. He is facilitated. He has shown instant chemistry with Anthony Simons, like I mentioned, and also of Nurkic. And, you know, tip of the cap to Yusuf Nurkic as well, who's kind of, you know, stepped into this veteran leader role now that he's <laughs> kind of one of the last guys standing and, and is really kind of making a case that maybe it is a good investment to, to make sure he is re-upped and kept in Portland going forward. Brian, real quick, before we dive into some, some of the other stuff we've seen in the last couple games, um, what have you liked from the Blazers
2: these last couple games? Man, Josh Hart looking like an all NBA guy. Two games into his Blazer tenure, which has been pretty fun. Uh, 25 points game. He's actually, absolutely just scorching the nets. Um, the thing about Josh Hart is I don't think that his shooting's going to hold at this pace, right? I mean, it's, it's unreasonable to expect him to continue shooting at his current percentages. But a lot of the other things he does are so sustainable and such a good fit next to Damon and uh, – God, I almost said CJ – Damon Simons. <laughs> Um, so I think he gives you a lot of what Norman Powell did, but he might just have kind of that, that brashness and confidence and, uh, competitiveness, even ratcheted up just a hair, right? He's a little more vocal, it it appears. And I've loved his ability to, uh, create. I think he's, his ability to go coast to coast has been kind of a catalyst for a bunch of fun blazer possessions. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier with how he's played two games in.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to mention the coast to coast thing and just pace overall in general like this team mm-hmm. is playing with a level of urgency and pace on the offensive end that we haven't seen in a very long time in Portland. Like this team as much as they wanted to run or said they wanted to run under coach Stotts in the Dame CJ era, they just didn't. They they played in half court sets on offense majority of the time. Um same with the LaMarcus era, not a lot of running on those teams. We are seeing a, a pace that is infectious on both ends of the floor it's very clear because I think anytime you're running a faster pace you're getting more guys involved typically and I think that translates to the defensive end where we've seen some you know solid contributions I mean it's not always perfect but that energy that willingness to close out on people to to make those rotations to be in the right place at the right time we're seeing a lot of that um and you know this team does have a little bit of what it's always done. I think the Blazers in the last decade have been really good at pouncing on teams as we head into the all-star break. And it's very mm-hmm. much, you know, it's a new coach, definitely a new looking roster, but still a little bit of that Portland edge. I don't know what it is that they really like to jump all over teams. I mean, just really feasted on the Lakers and then just really took advantage of the Bucks, uh yesterday without Giannis. So um,
2: and there's a little bit of that, you know, this, This team, you know, for the last decade, decade, as you mentioned, really played better when expectations are lowered Mm -hmm. and maybe even a little bit of back against the wall type thing. Um, You know, when expectations have been on this franchise, they've tended to falter. I think the primary example is the Pelican series back, you know, when we got hammered against Anthony Davis when he was still down there. And everyone expected him to win that one. Uh, This is a team that is better with their back against the wall, which is something they need to change if they want to be – you know, contenders each and every year. But it's kind of nice to see a little bit of that DNA uh, still in this team in a situation like this, I suppose.
0: I mean, let's just zoom out a little bit. You know, we've covered the last couple games. We're seeing a lot of new faces. And I I think overall, I mean, think we're very much like the plan should be that this roster should not be winning. This team should be playing for a high lottery pick. Um, But I also do think – There is something to making sure players know how to win and play in winning spots, and it's just a culture thing. It's something we've heard over and over again in Portland, and I don't know how much value it truly carries, but for someone like Anthony Simon, someone like and Watford trying to break into this league, I think it's important – for them to just get some of that the like and getting wins as the first option Watford getting wins as a player who's looking to carve out a, a long career in the NBA and also Yusuf Nurkic what's it like to win and be the first option um I think there is value and I think there's value especially for a first year head coach I think I think those wins I think it is positive but let's be very clear here this team it would be kind of insane for them to trade away what they traded away with the intention of getting a very high pick in this draft specifically, especially is what it looked like um, to all of a sudden, if they do somehow climb into the postseason here and they lose their own first round pick, it could be pretty wild. Um, that said, they probably still come away with one first round pick if they're the team that makes it in the playoffs. Cause you'd assume that if the Blazers are the team that make it, you would assume the Pelicans are not. So they would end up with that first round pick, but still like this schedule coming up and after the all-star break, there's, there's a lot of really good teams coming up and then you'll see a lot of these teams refocus after the all-star break. We kind of always do it's especially right after the all-star break, these teams kind of kick it into gear and are really Mm -hmm. just really playing for their playoff position. But overall, I guess, Brian, what I, what I'm asking is you know, how are you feeling about the tank? How do you value wins right now? And what value do you think it brings? Or is, or is it time to start panicking that this team is winning too much?
2: <laughs> I'm with you in the fact that I think there is value in these in these hard-fought wins with guys in roles that, you know, might be one role ahead of where they probably should be. Um, and, you know, it gives them a chance to grow, grow up and grow as individuals and players. But there's still a lot of season left, and I don't think Josh Hart is going to continue <laughs> to shoot, you know, average 25 points a game. Uh, Justice Winslow has been an awesome surprise, right? I mean, he's he's been playing out of his ass and giving him a little- The
0: spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your job's more visibility at indeed.com/match. Just go to indeed.com/match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. indeed.com/match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Given Portland a lot of things that we've always wanted from that four position, as far as being more well-rounded and and a stout defender, but you know, part of his problem is he's always dealt with injuries. You know, it'd be almost surprising if he made it the rest of the year without without an injury. Not to be Debbie Downer, but <laughs> there's there's just a lot of there's a long long runway left for this team to lose plenty of games playing these young guys. Um, and so, I'm really just kind of enjoying these wins. I've mm-hmm. I've embraced the chaos fully. That's kind of been the the motto of the year. Yeah. Um, once again, they're living up to that. Um, kind of mantra and so well you know I still hope we lose some games and really get that really get that good draft position to put ourselves in the best spot moving forward I'm enjoying this man it's and it's been such a better brand of basketball than we've seen Mm -hmm. pretty much all year I mean this team for a while there was borderline unwatchable at times and and now at least you have guys flying around and, and at least giving a shit and and you know really trying to go out there and compete so it's probably the most fun I've had all year to be, to be honest with
1: you. I'll
0: say this this is the most in tuned I've been positively watching this, this team play. I I mean, I've really, I've enjoyed watching this team again. I think it's two things though. I think one is, yeah, absolutely. It's always fun to watch them win, especially when they're playing with energy. But I think number two, Mm -hmm. I would probably be watching this team, even if they were losing by 20 points, just because it's something different. And Mm -hmm. I think so much of some of just the angst that a lot of us had with this team and it's something, you know, we've talked about a lot on this show is we've seen this, we've seen this play out before and now it is something different. Now, is it going to be better? You certainly hope so, but it is different. Um, I am just curious, you know, like you said, what happens when Josh Hart his scoring, maybe it should dip. I mean, he's playing at an MVP level right now. (laughs) So um, yeah. So that's obviously going to come down, but I think there is going to be a love affair with Josh Hart specifically. Like if we really Mm -hmm. want to dig in here, like I think he does everything that makes him a cult hero in Portland. And, you know, he is replacing a player that is beloved, which we'll get into that with CJ McComb. I think there's been a lot of return to appreciating CJ since he's been gone. Um, Mainly because that salary isn't on the books and that's something we've always talked about with CJ. So, Mm -hmm. but I think Hart, you know, he, he's kind of that we were ready for another blazer to love. And I think Josh Hart is definitely that just from his on court act antics, his like, just his facial expressions, like when he doesn't get a call (laughs) or when he does something good, like, I mean, he's just a funny guy to watch. And I think there's, Mm -hmm. there's these types of players that you just feel like initially I'm like, Oh, is this guy trying a little too hard to fit in with Portland or, or is he just that guy? And I think it's like the Robin Lopez threshold where like, there's certain players that come along that are just like tailor-made for this market. And I think Josh Hart. Yeah. I think he's a little bit off. And I think that, I think that makes him endearing to Portland, but I also think Josh Hart's playing on his third team in his young career. I think he really wants to make it work here in Portland. And I think he's going to have the opportunity to make it work. Um, Especially this team like pulls off like a surprise playoff push, which I don't know if they're there yet. I think very much this roster is not built to win for, no. for an extended amount of time but no. might win enough to push them out of the of like the high lottery discussion which is kind of a bummer mm-hmm. but um you know i mentioned a little bit in there cj um I, I was giving you a little bit of a hard time before the show because uh y- you haven't read the letter from cj mccallum do you want do you want to explain to our listeners why
2: because it <laughs> might be relatable well, well folks i'm just not ready mm-hmm. i uh i i have it literally open on like a window in my cell phone on my safari whatever and, and it's literally just been sitting there and, and I keep looking at it I was looking at some of the responses on Twitter uh, there was very emotional responses before the show you know last week I was just watching CJ McCollum highlights in particular from that Denver game seven game I attended when he basically put the TM on his back I was getting emotional watching that and so I'm like I just don't think I'm ready Steve to to, to open up my heart to that letter. But it's still on my phone, and in due time, I will read it. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely, like, it, it was a very emotional,
0: very well-written piece. Um, there, you know, I'm not one who gets really too choked up over reading stuff like that. Um, there is a part that got me a little bit, and it's just when him talking about his teammates and his brotherhood. I also, you know, I will read anything and love anything that gives a Chris Kamen shout-out. Chris Kamen was one of the teammates that CJ made a point to mention among countless others. So that I thought that was neat. I think Chris Cayman's legend in in Portland is kind of (laughs) underrated as far as like, they were so far below the salary floor and he was there. Everybody got a bonus and (laughs) Cayman was there. And like, he just brought menus to like all the people on like rookie deals and was like, pick whatever Christmas present you want. And it was like tears of like gifts. Like, I just love that story about Chris Cayman. Um, so it was awesome to hear him mention. and then just really gets into the brotherhood that him and Dame had. And it really just kind of makes me think of like this part of the reason I think everybody's looking back at it so fondly is because like, I think it, the Blazers and Joe Cronin kind of did this the right way. Like it very much sounds like through the reporting after and by CJ's comments, um, they went to him and, and really worked with him on this trade and they knew all parties involved knew it was time including dame and you know they helped get him to new orleans a place that he cj wanted to go to and and i also just love there's you know some wolf of wall street mentions in there as far as like you know everybody kind of knows he's getting traded and he's getting these phone calls from his agent and everybody's kind of like waiting and then he walks out and he walks back and he's all i'm not fucking leaving (laughs) like, (laughs) like it's perfect um it, it is weird watching him play in New Orleans still um definitely like yeah. like I mentioned last week i'm I'm making it a point to go to that March thirtieth game uh,
2: it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting um, unfortunately one, for c j you know he's been playing really well. He kind of had a little clunky shooting night as his, his first game with the pelicans against Miami, but he's dropped twenty three and thirty six off really good shooting. Uh, he had eleven boards one game, five assists every game, which you know, something he has developed over the years in his time in Portland. And it's good to see he's carried over a little bit of that playmaking. Yeah. I think we always a little harped on a little bit for not developing that piece more, but um he's making an impact over there. And I and so I'm happy that he's finding success in another situation as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And really, I mean, it could end up being, I mean, they're not only are we watching what the Blazers are gonna do with their record down the stretch, but we're very much watching what the Pelicans are gonna do because there's a needle to thread with where they land. Again, the pick that they owe the Blazers has to land between five and 14. If it goes mm-hmm. above, it moves on a year. Um, if it lands between one and four, it, it gets kicked to that bucks pick down the road. So um, very interesting to watch them down the stretch here.
2: As I'd, far- I'd be fascinating to see, sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, Steve, no, no. You're I'd, good, be, you're good. I'd be, uh, I'd be fascinated to see what that, pelicans team looks like if they ever get zion back mm-hmm. i think that it's really easy for cj to play off ingram right now he's done that his whole career when he's the third option i just kind of wonder what that whole ecosystem will look like that you know even ingram and williamson have at times have kind of a clunky fit you throw in another you know guy like cj in there who can put up some shots it'll, it'll be just interesting to see what that fully formed squad looks like and i don't know I've, i haven't checked on him for a while is he even is there anything any good news as far as Zion? Dude, I I will tell you this. If you want to feel
0: optimistic about the Zion Williamson situation, uh, don't look into it because the more you <laughs> the more you look into it, the more you're like this dude like is probably not going to play for the Pelicans anytime soon and he might not play period for quite a while. Like there's just some stuff going on there that I think is really odd. Um yeah, it's uh, something to to definitely keep an eye on. Um, as far as the Blazers go, though, just circling it back in. I mean, if as far as some of the young guys playing right now, I will say, you know, Tran and Watford has consistently been a bright spot. But Greg Brown mm-hmm. has actually shown me some things in these last couple of games. He's getting consistent minutes. It's not always there. He's had some really ugly three-point attempts, which we always kind of yeah. knew that was there. But – What I do like about his game so far is he is really reading and reacting to the floor as far as working as a cutter. We're seeing players return to the dunker spot for the Blazers, which has always been, I think, when this offense, you know, with Ant, but before him, you know, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, when they really had a player that knew how to operate out of that dunker spot. And we've seen Trenton Watford, Excel there, and we've seen Greg mm-hmm. Brown really excel there. Um, the guy's just hyper athletic, and I've I've had my my reservations about the, his potential and is he going to be an NBA player? But man, his physical skill set is there, and it looks like the mental part of the game and reading the floor is really coming around for him. Is there somebody young guy on the roster that stuck out to you?
2: I'd like to do the Trenton Watford appreciation. I mean, <laughs> that guy just. He's just a basketball player. Right. And, and looking back, it's kind of hard to believe he did fall out of the draft. Um, Jason quick had a really good article kind of about his journey. And I had no idea his brother hit that huge shot against Kentucky back in the yeah. NCAA tournament. That, that was just a really cool story. But, you know, I, I just love watching Watford, you know, sometimes when I'm watching these blazer games, I'll just focus on one guy for a handful of possessions or whatever. And you really watch Watford and he's doing good things continuously. And, mm-hmm. I think that once he just hones his shooting a little more, he could really be a dangerous guy. And you know, he's probably not a backup five, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. But that's kind of the the position he's been shoehorned into, right? But I don't know. It, next plays game, just just enjoy Watford and all the little things he does on a possession possession basis. Just has really endeared me to his playing style, and and uh, I continue to enjoy watching him. I've kind of come up with a
0: a comparison, which I don't always like to do with players. But Mm -hmm. I I feel like – I agree with you. I don't think Trenton Watford long-term is a backup five. I think he's just playing that because the Blazers just don't have hype. I think he reminds me a little bit of Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson, Mm -hmm. not a great outside shooter, but just a really smart basketball player. Not the most – not the quickest player on the floor either. Trenton Watford is not that. He doesn't have really – you know, jump out of this gym foot speed. Um, But he's consistently in the right place, plays with his head up, knows where his teammates are, knows where the read is coming. And he's playing, you know, a couple steps ahead of the defense. All things that Kyle Anderson has made an entire career out of. I think Trenton Watford can Mm -hmm. mimic a lot of those things. And Kyle Anderson, if you've, you know, followed my writing, is someone I've always kind of wanted to be around a player like Damian Lillard. So can Trenton Watford become that? I certainly hope so, because I think he checks a lot of those boxes as far as smart basketball, like you said. I mean, for so long, especially on the offensive end, we've had some players not necessarily playing dumb basketball, but like weren't truly confident in their full set of skills, as far as Maurice Har yeah. al Aminu. like there were just parts of their game that they didn't touch, and when they did go to it, it bordered on being completely out of control or very ugly. And so now we're seeing, you know, some well-rounded wing players. And that comes back to Josh Hart, Trenton Watford. There's some guys here that are playing this style of basketball that just we haven't seen from that position in a few years for the Blazers. Probably since like Nick Batum was here, like probably <clears throat> yeah. the last true
2: well-rounded forward the Blazers had. You know, and I, I will say they tried to do that with Evan Turner, right? And it just, he he was a guy that was supposed to come in and do a lot of these different things, mm-hmm. but it just didn't really work. And, I was kind of thinking about it, and I do wonder if Chauncey's scheme and system has allowed some of these multifaceted guys to shine more than they might have in the Stott system. Because under Stotts, you know, the priority was really just shooting, shooting, shooting around Dame and CJ, you know, so those guys could do get to their ISOs or get into their two-man actions, but – under Chauncey, it's much more of an egalitarian offense where the ball's whipping around. And, you know, from the preseason, that was his vision. Mm-hmm. And now we have more guys who, like Hart, Winslow, Watford, all getting time that can do different things, can move the ball around. And I think they're also in a better position to succeed than maybe they have been under the previous uh, coaching staffs as well.
0: Yeah, I – uh yeah i think it's just a different style of player that's coming in now and we're seeing the skills being emphasized a little differently and you know certainly it's it's looking as far as josh hart goes um it looks like joe cronin and billups are kind of on the same page as far as the type of players they want to target it certainly sounds that way in their press conference um just a little bit of house cleaning before we kind of get out of here is you know, we didn't really get a chance to talk about the Joe Ingles trade. Um, You know, Nikhil Alexander Walker goes to Utah, Portland picks up another second round pick and Joe Ingles and Elijah Hughes, which Elijah Hughes is one of those young players we'll get into a little later um, in future episodes. But uh you know, this team is, is emphasizing flexibility going forward. And I think Joe Ingles, you know, a lot of people were surprised, you know, one, he hasn't been bought out. I mean, not a lot of people, but like there was some of that discussion or are they going to try to flip this money too? Um, I think the Blazers would not be opposed to having Joe Ingles come back or try to leverage his bird rights, which is something we've heard them say where, you know, maybe there's a contender that would like Joe Ingles, but they don't quite have the flexibility to do so. Now the Blazers, with this flexibility they've created by these trades, they can facilitate that type of move. They can facilitate a sign-in trade and and get the job done for these other teams. So, And that should net draft assets or young players. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But I think there's a world where the Blazers wouldn't mind having Joe Ingles on this team, especially if you look at – Some of the skill sets they're
2: emphasizing now and what Joe Ingles brings to the table. No, exactly. I think it's just his well-rounded skill set would fit in really well, what they appear to be trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. I would caution Joe Ingles (laughs) before that injury. he's, He's not the Joe Ingles of two years ago, but you know, under the right contract and in the right role, I think he can still be a valuable NBA player.
0: No, no offense. I do not want to offend our, our Australian uh, listeners because they are actually, outside of the United States, this, the country that listens to us the second most. But hey. um, there is something, to, and Bill Simmons has mentioned this too, there's something about Australian players where like they just age just a little bit faster than United States players. <laughs> so, so I think Joe Ingles is definitely that, but I do think for the right price he has a very well-rounded skill set. He definitely like Josh Hart feels like one of those players that kind of just fits what Portland's trying to do. But I, I wouldn't get my heart set on him being here any longer, but it at least maybe pause and think like, man, I bet they would, wouldn't mind having him here for the right
2: price. Yeah. Um, and even though he hasn't really been around, he seems like a good vibes guy, um, oh yeah. you know, having Josh Hart going back and forth on the coffee and I don't know, He, you got to say this team just has better vibes all the way around. Oh, yeah. It's a better viewing experience people look like they're having more fun. And I know this is all like kind of bullshit when it comes to just winning, but I will, you know, it, as somebody, you know, follows the team constantly, it's kind of nice to see people look like they're having a good time. Yep. And even Nurik, man, who continues to just play extremely, extremely well. He looks like he's having as much fun as he's had probably in his whole career. I think he's as confident as he's ever been. And I think that's showing on the court. So, you know, Maybe maybe the Ingles trade bringing in guys like Josh Hart, like maybe there's a little been a little bit of a culture shift too, and kind of a good way that has also helped manifest some some good performances on the court.
0: I also think you know the these wins too have put Portland's potential to be a team that was looking to buy out some players has kind of changed the calculus there a little bit. I think mm-hmm. for me, I thought Ben Mclemore was a player that Portland could look to buy out and let him you know, hit the open market and potentially find his talents up, take his talents elsewhere, elsewhere. And then also too, is, uh, is Eric Bledsoe. I think, you know, his salary, they're, they're gonna, I can't imagine them carrying it over to next year at the full price. So at some point they're going to have to cut a deal with him or have him come back. Um, I am a little, I, I think those are two guys to watch potentially after the all-star break, but Ben Macklemore is another guy who I think, you know maybe this isn't his only year in portland i don't know what they pay him or what they try to do but you know there is some use to have like your eighth ninth guy be just you know a, a shooter and shoot as quickly as he does like his release i don't think i've realized until the last couple of games is just lightning quick i mean he's not mm-hmm. the most efficient player by any means but man can he, he punish a defense that doesn't rotate to him if he's on
2: his game yeah, they're worse the worst guys to have in that ninth spot that could, you know, get hot and drop 30 or, you know, at least 20 and, and really kind of shift the tide of the game. So, I agree. Yeah. So, what do you make of
0: Bledsoe? If you were, if you were to bet, what do, you, do you think he's a, a buyout guy or do you think he's on this roster until, you know, the lead up to his contract <laughs> going guaranteed? I might
2: have to go with the DeWall joke about the best route to tanking is just by playing Bledsoe. So, maybe Cronin's looking at this roster going, hey, we're playing just a little too well. It's calling the tank squad, Eric Bledsoe. We're keeping him. We're no, gonna give him thirty minutes a night.
0: I say it I say it jokingly, but like I really do think that is the break the glass in case of emergency. Like I don't think it's resting your veteran players for this team if they really want to get the tank back on track. I think it is playing Eric Bledsoe more. <laughs> that is how you get to the losses. I think that is where
2: the gold is. Um but we'll He could be the closer, you know, like <laughs> like an like an you know, you, you start the game with but they ain't running the point guard. Look, into the third quarter, calling the relief, calling the closer. Yep. It's Eric Bledsoe, he's going to put up a even though single game plus minus stats real meaningless. But Eric Bledsoe, <laughs> twelve straight minutes, minus fourteen. Blazers L. Hey, they kept it close. Yeah. Lost the game. Perfect.
0: Yeah. Bring Eric Bledsoe in. Make it very clear to him that he is the number one option. And he has a green light <laughs> wherever he wants to go. I, Don't I even think, pass. And, and I think that that's the path to getting the tank back on track. That's what they decided to do.
2: He could be um, our, our Russell Westbrook, you know, yeah. and just really bring that energy. I mean, that's always kind of been is, what Eric Bledsoe you know, has always been as kind of a Russell Westbrook light. So a little bit, you know, he, he was a pretty good player, never yeah. totally put it all together, Bet, but it was kind better of de- his better,
0: better defensively than Westbrook was. But Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, In fairness. So I, uh, by the time people hear us again, it will be the all-star weekend. Kind of a weird all-star weekend for Blazer fans. Not not a Blazer there participating in anything. Now C.J. McCollum, it does look like, is going to compete in a three-point contest for the Pelicans. But it is kind of weird, like we've, we've been on this trajectory where All-Star Weekend has always kind of been a big deal where, for the Dame era, especially, mm. you know, that first and second year where I – was it the second year that he competed in everything, I think? I think he did. I believe so, yeah. He did the Rising Stars, he did the dunk competition, did the three-point competition, played in the actual game. So, like, we go from that to nothing. Are you still going to tune in to anything on All-Star Weekend? And if so, what is your All-Star Weekend
2: go-to? You know, I've always enjoyed the three-point contest, probably more than any other event. Um, with CJ being in it, I'll probably check that out. The rest of it, know, yeah, I'll probably find another outlet for my time, Steve. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I, you know, I'll probably tune into the three-point contest or at least record it make sure. I, I want to see CJ do well in that, so yep. that's about right. it for me. As far as
0: I go, I, I definitely – like, I'll watch a little bit of the game, like the actual game. I think adding the Elam ending always adds a little something different, which I assume yeah. they're doing again this year. I haven't dug into it too much. Um, for me, I've always, since I was a kid, have been a sucker for the dunk competition. Now, is that competition what it once was? No. But I will still make it a point to watch that. Um, like you, I will watch the three-point competition. So, really, that skills night – the Saturday night slate is usually when I tune in. I I will check in maybe for the game, but I'll probably watch CJ compete and, and I'll probably see what's new in the dunk competition and see, you know, some of the new young faces. Uh, I am kind of a, a closet Obi Toppin fan. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do in the dunk competition.
2: So um well, now yeah. that, uh, Gambling's legal up there now, right? So yes,
0: yes, if I'm in the state of Oregon, so sometimes <laughs> if you ever see me park in the in the Jansen beach area on a Saturday or Sunday, know I am
2: there to sports bet. That's, that's where you can find me. Well, cause I think sports betting on the three point contest, probably the best gambling event of the weekend, which also might, you know, have something to do Ooh. with my interest. Ooh.
0: Yeah. I, uh, You know, I could probably sit, we could probably start doing like a tailgate before the NFL games on Sunday for Washingtonians and or people (laughs) in Vancouver that come down to Portland to get their NFL bets in on Sunday. Um, On some beach, baby. Because the app definitely geolocates you. And uh, so I try to make sure I get my bets in uh, before I cross that border on my way home (laughs) from work. So I do not condone betting and driving, but – Sometimes traffic's real slow. So yep, maybe it's because everybody's that. trying to get their sports bets in. I think we've solved it. So um, oh, okay, okay. You, you got an avalanche game to make it to tonight, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, Brian, I look forward to talking more about the young players on this team with you. I, I think we're still mm-hmm. trying to figure out what this team is trying to do uh, or how much of this winning is sustainable. I think we both agree. It's been very clear. These have been enjoyable. It's been something different. It's been something energetic, and, and I just feel like mentally, as a fan, I'm in a much better place than I was a month ago. Um, yeah, we, but, we had some pretty we had some
2: pretty dark pods there for a bit. Yeah. Things were, <laughs> we were pretty negative. I mean, and, we, uh, we
0: talked to Perry about changing our intro to Elliot Smith, and he said, "No, I'm not going to do it."
2: So <laughs> but, I was just hate watching Blazer games for the first time in my life. I'm like, yep. but you know. Yeah, you know, aside from just the younger players and, and seeing, you know, hopefully seeing flashes out of those guys, we also get to watch the coaching staff evolve as you hit on. And then, you know, there's a lot of, lot of talk to be had about what Portland does moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they utilize that cap space, whether they re-sign some guys and utilize exceptions and, and, you know, that whole deal. We have a long, we have a lot to dissect. And um, I think it's going to be, a, a, I'm, I'm personally a little reinvigorated about this team. I think that just having something different and having some flexibility and maybe a couple roads to go down. You know, we don't know whether they're going to work, but mm-hmm. they might. Yep. So it's it's going to be fun, man.
0: No, I I will say this before we get out of here: if Josh Hart continues to play like he is playing, Anthony Simons continues to play like he is playing, and Yusuf Nurkic continues to play how like he's playing. I don't think we're going to see a lot of functional cap space with this team, but I think what you will see is enough flexibility to use the exceptions to Mm -hmm. use some other tools they have before they circle back and resign some of these guys where they're just dealing with their cap holds. Well, Hart, he's on that funky contract, but dealing with, you know, addressing other needs but i don't think this idea of having like a max slot or anything i think that's going to go out the window especially if these guys those three guys specifically continue to play the way they have been so
2: well they keep playing the way they are uh heart in particular and even throw throw winslow under the bush. we might be talking about that play tournament and uh, <laughs> yeah. have a little bit more to talk about game wise so yep. we'll see
0: what happens man absolutely all right brian thank you thank you everybody for listening that's all i got brian before we go anything
2: Nope. Uh-oh. Go Blazers. Go Blazers. <laughs> See ya, man. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like
0: what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy pod. And be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Greenroom every Saturday, bright and early
1: at 8 a.m. Pacific. One, two, three, four.